Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie We at NIAC were asked to come up with a prioritization list because in the beginning, uh, the amount of vaccine that is available will be restricted. But over time, there will be more than enough to go around. And so it was a, uh, what we had to do is to try and decide how to uh, strategize the vaccine over that early time period. And so we set out a provisional priority list uh, for groups for vaccination. And it was based on the likelihood of getting severe disease and the likelihood of death. And then as we went down through, also the likelihood of uh, risk of infection for those people who cannot protect themselves from infection, who aren't able to maintain the social distancing. Now, that's uh, Professor Karina Butler, the chair of uh, the National Immunisation Advisory uh, Committee, who was uh, speaking at uh, the NEFID briefing last night. The vaccine is on the way. How it'll be rolled out uh, will be spelled out in a report going to the government uh, today from uh, the special advisory group. Uh, The cabinet will discuss that on Tuesday and we should have details of it next week at the latest. Let's talk about this with uh, Dr. Mary Scully, who's a GP with uh, the Abbey House Medical Centre in Navan. Good morning and thank you as always for joining us, uh, Dr. Scully. I I suppose we already know uh, some detail about how this vaccine is going to be rolled out, or at least who is going to get it first and who is prioritised over whom. What do you think of what we know at this stage? Well, I think the correct approach has been taken, taken that uh, it's the people who are most at risk of getting severe infection, most at risk of dying with it. And that's mainly based on what we know so far about this disease. So in the, particularly in the, the first round, the first surge, uh, it was mainly patients in nursing homes who were uh, most, most at risk of dying. In fact, mm. I think it read 53% of deaths. F- 56 of the deaths in the first wave uh, were so, people who were resident in nursing homes, yes. Yes, so, so obviously they take the biggest priority and they'll be done first. Um, the next group will be um, healthcare workers who are in direct patient contact. So like Karina Butler was saying, these frontline workers mm. cannot adequately socially distanced because they're having to care for patients. And they, um, I think, form 30% of the cases um, in the first round. So they're next up. Mm. So then after that, it'll be um, so starting with the over 70s because, you know, the older you are, um, the more at risk you are. Mm. And then going down further down the age group, um, 
key workers, uh, people in crowded conditions like, um, you know, residential facilities, uh, meatpacking camps, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all done in uh, a, a rate of sort of prioritization that corresponds with your risk of either getting mm. severe disease or infection. That's it, because uh, depending on what category you're in, the older you are, uh, the more chance there is of becoming very ill and the more chance there is of death uh, and likewise with underlying illnesses. And uh, they've uh, taken that into account uh, using the principle of equality and fairness, moral equality and fairness in deciding uh, which groups come first in this. There's 14 groups in all. When it comes to the older people, uh, there's subsections in that. It's over 70s, uh, but they'll start with people who are 85 and older, then 80 to 84, 75 to 79, 70 to 74. Uh, But uh, there is some questions about the 14 groups and if they're in the right order. Uh, Just hear maybe a little bit of uh, some of the concern expressed in the Dáil yesterday. At number five is people with underlying conditions in their late 60s. At number seven, is adults with health conditions under 65. This is Roisin Shortall, and as I say, there's 14 groups altogether. Under 18s. And I want to just make the case to you about under 18s, the very many under 18s in this country that have serious underlying health conditions. Now, I take the point that the vaccines haven't been... We've uh, bad headed there on that. I apologise. She was saying that they haven't been tested on under 12s, uh, but she's concerned uh, that under 18s are the 14th and last group uh, that will get vaccinated. Uh, and she gave uh, an example of why she is concerned about this. And I spoke to the mother of one of those this morning, a 17 year old girl who is a, a transplant recipient. And her mother was explaining to me just what a, a awful year she's had since last March, since she had to cocoon, and about how her life has been so drastically impacted. Um, And we were just talking yesterday about the the mental health impacts on young people in particular. But in the case of young people who have serious health conditions, I mean, you know, that impact is multiplied several several times over. In the case of this 17-year-old girl, um, her 19-year-old sister had to move out of home because of the high risk involved. And to all intents and purposes, her her life is on hold. Uh, Is there an anomaly there? Because I think the government says it's open to looking at at, uh, how these groups are prioritised. I think the government had to look at it in terms of broad strokes. I mean, there will always be some exceptions in every single group that you look at, and perhaps a case can be made for, um, you know, exceptions to the rule or prioritisation of people who are particularly high risk. But I think they can't take account of every single case in every group. Um, You know, they've had to do it in broad strokes. And I think the broad Mm. strokes, you know, broadly are correct. And we we, we don't know if under-18s will be vaccinated, or or, or do we? Because uh, I think the under-12s, going back to that bad edit there, I think the under-12s won't be vaccinated, or at least that's the case in the UK, because uh, they haven't been trialled. Under 12s were excluded from the trial, so there's no data about um, the vaccine in under 12s. So uh, they are likely to be left out of the vaccination for the time being. Anyway, I think they are starting to do um, some younger age groups. I think the AstraZeneca Oxford group are starting to look at younger age groups. But uh, for the moment, I think they'll be excluded. And in any case, the vast majority of younger people do not get severe disease or are at risk of death in the vast majority of cases. 
There's a, another question uh, about the approach uh, that stands out to me, at least, and, and that is that it seems as though people who are aged between 18 and 34 will be prioritised over people who are aged from 35 to 54. Uh, and the logic for that is uh, that if you're between 18 and 34, you're more likely to be out and about and socialising uh, and uh, having fun and meeting people than uh, if you're one of those footy duddies aged between 35 and 54 who stay at home and uh, don't have these social contacts. I suppose they're looking at the uh, numbers in the second third particularly where the average age of um, cases who are getting infected were probably a younger age group. So that's probably the rationale for that insofar as, you know, the the younger age groups are the ones who, are, as you say, tend to be out and about and socialising and perhaps not taking as much precautions as their older counterparts. What are you expecting to hear today about how uh, the vaccine will be administered? Uh, I take it it can't land exclusively on GPs' laps. Uh, You'd have uh, very little time to be doing anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, plus the logistics are going to be difficult because if the first vaccine that comes out is the Pfizer-BioNTech one, that has very rigorous um, technical problems with its rollout because it has to be kept at minus 70 or 80 degrees centigrade. Um, When it's thawed, uh, it can only last five days in a refrigerator. um, And once it's diluted, it has to be given within six hours. So, you know, I think possibly... We don't know the details, of course, yet, but I think possibly there's going to be a a need for perhaps mass vaccination clinics um, where people, you know, just come up and get vaccinated, um, you know, and it's not being done in the GPs, solely in GP surgeries, because I don't think that's going to be feasible. Pharmacists, perhaps, uh, pop-up clinics uh, uh, and so on, as you say, and we'll be hearing a lot of uh, detail uh, about how they'll keep uh, a record of all of this uh, and so on over the coming days. Uh, But uh, it's great news in that the vaccine is on its way and it has uh, the prospect of bringing us uh, back to some sort of normality. Uh, And when we talk about vaccines, uh, we know from the flu vaccine uh, that that's had a serious strain on GP practices like yours uh, taking up a, a lot of time in some circumstances but not in other because uh, uh, the vaccine has been available for the flu uh, for children this year and the uptake has been low apparently. Yes, uh, about 20 to 25% of children have taken uh, the flu vaccine, the nasal flu vaccine which was you know, a real surprise to us because we thought in light of COVID and everything that was going on that we would have had a much uh, higher rate of vaccination and it's hard to know why. Um, perhaps people don't perceive their children as being at risk of flu. Uh, perhaps the fact that it's a new vaccine, it's a live vaccine, even though it's been out for a long time in the UK. Um, perhaps these are all factors that deterred um, families and parents from getting it for their children. But uh, in light of that, and because of the poor uptick, and because there are vaccines sitting at the moment in every GP surgery across the, the country unused, The good news is that the government have agreed to roll it out now to 13 to 17-year-olds. So right up until your 18th birthday, you can now avail of this vaccine. So I hope this will extend the reach of the vaccine to, you know, more age groups. And I hope, you know, parents will avail of this for their children.
Let's hope so. And indeed, let's hope that they don't get the flu more to the point they are at risk more than most people because uh, we're doing all the things, or at least we hope everybody is doing all the things that they should be to stop getting coronavirus. Uh, and if you protect yourself uh, against coronavirus successfully, uh, it follows uh, that you won't catch a cold and you won't get the flu either. That's by wearing a face mask, cough etiquette, keeping the two metres and all of that. Dr Scully, I know your time is precious, so thank you indeed uh, for your time and thank you thank as you. always for joining us here on uh, the programme. This morning morning. Now, uh, thanks uh, to Pat in Dundalk, who was looking at uh, the COVID figures yesterday. He's been on the phone to us. Thanks, Pat, for your call. And he, he says he noticed that there were 25 cases in Louth and 80 in Dublin. And Pat says, if you look at the population of Dublin and you compare that to the population of Louth, you really would have to be concerned about the number of cases here. He thinks we really need to look at the connection to the north where the figures are extremely high and there are no restrictions stopping people coming from the north. He he says, when people get excited, they throw caution to the wind and he's really worried with Christmas around the corner that people will let their guard down. He warns that we should be worried in County Louth Uh, because of uh, the stats and he thinks uh, that people are hearing the figures but they're not really digesting the information anymore or realising how serious the situation is in Louth. People need to be more careful. Uh, You make a a very valid point uh, I think Pat and uh, it's uh Something uh, that you can see in the 14-day rate, and they always say don't be looking at uh, a daily rate, 25 uh, compared to 80 yesterday. That could turn on its head the following day and so on. But if you look at uh, the 14-day rate, uh, County Louth is the third worst in the country. Uh, It's a bit of an improvement there because it had been second worst after Donegal for some time. Uh, Kilkenny has more cases per 100,000 now than Louth. Louth at 159 cases per 100,000 of the population, uh, 175 in Kilkenny, 230 in Donegal. The national average, by the way, is 79. So that means uh, that Louth is quite close on double the national average, 79 the national average uh, and pretty much 160 uh, in Louth more than uh, than double the national average it's actually 159.8 per 100,000 you compare that to Dublin where it's 90 uh, so way below County Louth Uh, County Meath, which was one of the worst counties, uh, has uh, really turned that and it's said it's now down to less than 55 per 100,000. But you get to County Leitrim and you're in the kind of sphere that they'd like to see the whole country in because they think it should be uh, less than 25 cases per 100,000 of the population, 160 in Louth, 55, let's say, in Meath and around 19 in County Leitrim. So that's uh, the kind of uh, difference uh, that you can see from these figures. Uh, But thanks indeed, uh, Pat, for your call and for bringing that to our attention today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.